your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, what day is today? Tuesday. Getting there, almost to the end of the week. Still not sure if Christmas Eve is a holiday here. Is Christmas Eve a holiday for you? Do you get that day off? I know a lot of people that have to work because it's a big shopping day for all those last minuteers. A big shopping day, and therefore all the stores have to be open. Super great. When Christmas is on Saturday, I think Christmas Eve should be a day off. In fact, we should just make Christmas the last Friday of December, something like that. Second last Friday. I mean, does it really have to be on the date? It's not really that guy's birthday. So, like, what are we doing? <laughs> just make it. We'll do, like, Thanksgiving, right? Oops. I don't know why. Th- I, I, I could have Googled it. I'm sure this is common knowledge to some of you. But why is, uh, why is Thanksgiving the second? Why is it on a Thursday? Can't we just roll it to a, th- a Friday so that we can have that long weekend? Should just have three-day weekends anyway, right? 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Ken Gilliam, the fire chief in lacrosse, and Holman. I think he's officially the fire chief in Holman. He's going to join me in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what we can talk about. I, I do we'll probably have a little bit of fun. I want to re. I want to bring back the conversation we had a year ago around this time on um, whether or not we can use flamethrowers to, to quote-unquote snowblow our driveway, flame blow our driveway. Don't really need it at this point because we don't have any snow. We had a 70-degree day, and then if any snow was left over, it blew away in the windstorm, uh, which gets me to a story up on wisdomnews.com. There's two stories I just want to talk about quick on wisdomnews.com. First of all, uh, with the windstorm rotary lights, uh, back in action after essentially two days off. One day because they knew the storm was coming, and the second day that destroyed everything. Uh, Pat Stevens talked to him. Well, he emailed me some, some stats and some information, and um, just the, the idea that this community <laughs> rallies around a, a lot of stuff. Like, uh, you know, during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of drive-through affairs, food drop-offs. Uh, what do we call that thing on Saturday or Friday? Free food for, I don't remember, with uh, Shelly Fortner and the Hunger Task Force. We did it every Friday. It was awesome. We were raising like $15,000 a day on Fridays for six weeks or six months. Whatever it was. <laughs> so so long ago now during a pandemic. I think it was seven-week run of Fridays where we um, dropped off food for the Hunger Task Force at three different locations. And they were just rolling in food because of the pandemic. And um, I know I was getting updates from the uh, Wafer Food Pantry that did the opposite of dropping off food, picking up food and gifts. And they had a pretty successful day there as well last week and uh, with rotary lights being destroyed, Pat Stevens said 60 people showed up to volunteer to help pick up and and piece back together what was left of you know what what they could of rotary lights. I think they they had welders out there welding stuff together. Uh, so volunteer welders, how awesome is that? And a six, so 60 people showed up. He didn't know half of them. Just random 30 people. He didn't know. Hey, what do I? What do you want me to do? Um, and they they lost the two big build. You know, essentially, I don't know if you want to call them buildings, but the igloo and the ice castle. Uh, there's a tent up now. It's not as great. So it's pretty sad because they lose this igloo. There were like, there were three or four people looking to get married and a couple more looking to get engaged 
over the weekend. I don't know how Pat knows this stuff. Hey, Pat, I'm going to get engaged. I don't know. Anyone out there that you know, thinking that their boyfriend, girlfriend was about to uh, have an engagement and then reads the, you know, Pat might have let the cat out of the bag here because they still might go through the with the engagement at Rotary Lights. They just won't do it inside this igloo. So I don't know, Pat. That's I feel like you should have kept that a little bit more tight-lipped. Um, but yeah, so you had 30 people show up to help him pick, pick pick up and and piece back this thing together. And uh, but we lost the iconic Christmas tree. And I think if you look at any pictures of Rotary Lights, I believe the iconic Christmas tree is the one that sticks out over everything else. Uh, he calls that that the the computer computerized mega tree. Um, he said that was completely destroyed, and it's not going to come back this year. So they're going to have to completely rebuild it. He says for next year. So a little bit disappointing, uh, you know, anytime you, especially if you go over to Pettibone, I got a couple of pictures from Pettibone and, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing that really sticks out besides all the buildings in the background, depending on how good your camera is, if you can hide those buildings, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the iconic, uh, computerized mega tree, I think Patton, you need to come up with a better name than the computerized mega tree for that as well. Maybe the giant Christmas tree, just be easier. So uh, kind of like a sad, happy story, and that's kind of where we're at in society right now is uh, we're going through this pandemic. Uh, how often do we talk? We're not going to talk about COVID with Ken Gilliam, I don't think. But, uh, you know, there's there's COVID, and then there's dealing with COVID, and then there's the community rallying around stuff that happens because of COVID. Uh, sucks. <laughs> it really does. And it's awesome. Right, it's awesome to see the community rally, and and the idea that we need the community rally sucks. Uh, so yeah, just a whirlwind of things. I guess whirlwind's a bad thing to use, right? When the uh, when we talk about these windstorms, there's also the the idea that there were 45 tornadoes on that day last week. 45, at least, we've counted already. National Weather Service. So it's probably a good conversation to have with the National Weather Service about all the tornadoes. I guess I should do that again because we talked to him. Uh, last week, heading into that storm, now would be a good time to recap. Uh, just, just what you know. If you go to their Facebook page, their and Twitter page, they're always they're always uh, updating that on how many tornadoes. I know Carla Bloom with the uh, International Owl Center in Houston. They nearly got hit with a tornado that went right by Houston, city of Houston, not Texas, but Minnesota. Uh, and and her she's always posting information about how close they came to uh, getting destroyed. I think their home where the where some of the owls live, they're they're retired owls, but not the the owl center itself or Houston itself. But it did come real close to uh, hitting Houston and the city itself. Uh, also, Brad has this story. He might say it during the news a little bit, but it's going to be an abbreviated version. Uh, this this what lacrosse police called a drug induced excited delirium. That's a new one. I will have to maybe get some clarification on where they come up with that. But essentially, a dude took some mushrooms. And uh, it sounds like from from what Brad has, has got here on wisdomnews.com is he was doing some mushrooms and he was walking around his house and then just saw a knife. This is how Brad described it. He saw a knife and it, fr- and it freaked him out because I don't, I've never done mushrooms, so I don't know. But I imagine if you're uh, taking some psychedelics and uh, anything could trigger you. So he saw this knife freaked out, uh, took off out of the house without shoes on. So in his socks or maybe a sock, I don't know if he had both socks on or not. Uh, so first off, like it's December. It's, I, I know we don't have any snow, but running around your socks, not great. Uh, ended up stealing. A, I think he took his car to quick trip and then 
the 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 freaking out kept going. At some point after this, he said, is when the mushrooms kicked in. So I don't know what the knife situation at his house was, but then he stole a, a different car at Quick Trip, ended up downtown uh, at some point, making a ruckus at some bars downtown, and and then either before or after that, he was driving down South Avenue and just got out of the car. I think the car got put into neutral, or, or, I, or if it just ran into something, I guess if it was in drive and ran into something, it would probably wouldn't push the thing if it was, you know. I'm not sure. It's weird that he would just jump out of a moving car by Gunderson there, but put the car in neutral but not put it in park. So hard to say. Being, hey, police, the, the, the one little detail in the report, was the car in drive or was it in neutral? But maybe the more important part, Rick, is that they he just jumped out of the car and the car kept going. Uh, so... Yeah, it was. A, it's an interesting story. It's on. It's also on wisdomnews.com. That'll be some video that we're working on getting. We're gonna work on getting that video because you know, watching a guy jump out of a car, and then watching the car continue down South Avenue might be interesting to see. I don't know. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Talk and text line. Ken Gilliam gonna be on in just a minute. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Lacrosse Fire Chief, Holman Fire Chief, Ken Gilliam. Holm, can I call you the Holman Fire Chief from now on, Ken? Can I just do that? Lacrosse Holman. Lacrosse Holman. Slash, are you doing slash or a dash? Uh, undetermined. Undetermined. I'm going with it. I haven't talked to myself too many times on the radio yet. <laughs> We're working through it. It's a work in progress. Good afternoon. Yeah, how's it going? I uh, I, I don't know. It, it, with just we'll just jump right in I, I played the christmas vacation theme music there just to remind myself we got to get ken's top five christmas movies and then also whether or not die hard so don't let me forget by the end of the show we, we'll do that we'll wrap up with t- ken gilliam fire chief's top five christmas movies and whether or not die hard is a christmas okay. movie um i did see bruce willis did weigh in on die hard being a christmas movie but anyway um the the, the Trempolo County Sheriff's Department, they shared that there, there was a fire at a building, I think an apartment building today. Uh, you guys had a fire last weekend. Is it Was it last weekend? The, the, uh, yeah, we had a few last week, yep. Are we, it, it, is winter like fire season? It seems like winter would be the time that there wouldn't be fires, but I guess people are maybe burning stuff in their fireplaces, and that's why, I don't know, why is there more fires in the winter? No, I, I think it's a pretty common trend as the weather starts turning cold. People start buttoning up their homes, and unfortunately humans sometimes do not-so-smart things with, you know, di- different heating devices. Uh, so typically as the, uh, as the, as the uh, winter months start to roll, and we'll, we'll see a statistical uh, upward tick of, you know, increased fire calls. Uh, we, we had a, a series of about three of them last week, and, uh, you know, certainly more significant fires, not just your – you know, your normal food on the stove or little things, but things that got moving along a little bit better. So, um, and then we're seeing some just immediately just this week. I know uh, over in Moorhead, they've had a uh, multiple fatality event that I think is going to be linked to like carbon monoxide poisoning. And you start to see the feeds from around the country and, and those, those typical things, the CO alarms and, and different things that come, come into play this time of year. Yeah, it's really sad. Seven people dead and and they didn't really... They really understand why, and then they, you know you have to investigate and go. Okay, these per- these people weren't murdered, and it really looks like they th- there was probably a carbon monoxide incident. Um, you don't hear about that uh, that often, and it's really boring radio talk radio to go. Hey, go do a, the carbon monoxide talk, 
But when seven people die in a house, it really kind of like, holy bleep, uh, that that is a real thing that happens. Yeah, you, you, it certainly gets to the far end of what can happen. I think, um, you know, we certainly push out on social media and through our public education the importance of uh, carbon monoxide alarms and smoke alarms. And um, this time of year, we, we see a number of calls. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it's a, it's a bad battery or, or something like that, and we work with residents to, you know, get, get their CO alarms replaced. Uh, but we do run into a number of calls where people are getting symptoms, uh, where they're getting headaches or they're feeling nauseous or vomiting. Uh, and those are some real close calls where, you know, we fortunately they call, we get in there, and, and we can get the homes ventilated. Um, but to the far end of it, you know, if, if, you, ignore, if you ignore those symptoms um, and you're sitting there with a the pounding headache and you're just not feeling right, um, you know, it, it does eventually lead to unconsciousness and unfortunately death. So very, very scary deals. And when you're, you know, when you're sleeping, it's an orderless thing. So I can't stress enough the importance of having a working CO alarm in your home. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but hey, you might not. It might not be COVID. You might be having carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, no COVID alarms yet, but uh, carbon monoxide and smoke alarms definitely. Uh, you know, if if you're having trouble with that, uh, we uh, Lacrosse Fire has partnered with uh, the American Red Cross. We've got a uh, smoke alarm installation program in town. Uh, you can go on our website or call seven eight nine seventy two sixty. Uh, we'll put you in touch with our, our staff that will get a crew out to help you get a smoke alarm installed if you aren't able to afford one on your own. So a lot of, a lot of different op- opportunities out there so that, you know, not having one it really isn't an excuse anymore. We'll, we'll certainly help residents out to, to get these things in place. Okay, carbon monoxide, you'll get that from a car running in a garage, right? You, will, will you get, is the most common occurrence in something that where it happens inside your home? Is it your furnace or is it maybe your your fireplace is is, a, is Blow it. I, it would be obvious if your fireplace was co- blowing carbon monoxide back at you, but I don't think that. Like, where where are we getting carbon o- monoxide poisoning from? Sure. So the the real common causes are sometimes in the winter we decide to warm our car up and we forget to uh, pull the car out of the garage. So you know that one's uh, you know that one does happen. Uh, and then oftentimes it's just faulty heating equipment. Uh, it's a problem with a furnace or a fire, you know, a gas fireplace, um, a stove or an oven where uh, perhaps the, uh, the heating uh, element, there's something wrong with them, or more commonly that the ventilation to the outside of the house has been blocked off by snow. So, um, you know, again, if you need help between us, Excel uh, Energy, there's a lot of information out there on making sure that those, uh, those uh, exhaust ports for your different uh, cooking and heating elements are, are clear from snow and bushes and buildup. And, and just make sure they've got good ventilation, which promotes good heating, and the, and the devices are working the way they're supposed to work. Squirrels, it's, it's I really, think. It's, it's improperly burning things in the CO builds up in the house, and it's, it's one of those things that can go really really quickly, and there's no real signs other than uh, clearly you know, multiple members of a family having headaches or feeling sick or fatigued. Uh, you definitely want to get outside the fresh air and call 911. Get us over there. So you're not recommending roasting marshmallows on the gas stove in the house? No. I mean, that, that'd be all right, right? You know, I, no, hey, you know, I like a good <laughs> roasted marshmallow, but make sure you're doing it safely. It's uh, anytime you're playing with fire, you're taking a little bit of risk. Um, I, I trust adults to be smart about it. Uh, that being said, you know, we, we follow statistics and we see an uptick in uh, fires when things get cold and we start buttoning up our homes. So I guess just, uh, uh, be smart about it. That'll lead you into your flamethrower comment I heard earlier. <laughs> right. Well, I guess you know what your your gas stove isn't going to give carbon monoxide poisoning, but it, but I have read that that having gas stoves in your house isn't like the greatest thing ever. It's not I, actually. I that think great. gas stoves are fine. I, I have a gas stove in my home. You know, we make sure it's functioning properly, and um, you know, I, I think 
don't turn it on and walk away from the kitchen and get distracted by your uh, your Facebook or your phone call. You know, if you're if you're cooking, I, I would pay attention to the fire that's burning in your home and, and just it's about being alert. I think it, it's similar to you know why we're having more and more accidents these days on the highways. Is there's just a lot of distractions in life right now, and, and people lose track of time and how quickly you know some some toast can actually get your kitchen cabinets burning. Yeah, with with fires increasing in the winter, is it how much of this is just like somebody having a stupid space heater? I they just essentially like carry it around on an extension cord throughout the house, and they just have it with them. Uh, are, are most of these fires happening in the winter because of space heaters? Uh, space heaters are certainly the cause of some fires. Um, you know, read the safety instructions. Um, I saw one uh, nearly uh, disastrous fire that happened because somebody had a space heater right by their bed and. You know, pillows and a blanket while they're sleeping fell off on it, and they woke up to you know their beds on fire. So, um, you got to think about it. these things need space. They're very hot. Um, tip of a match is sixteen hundred degrees, and human skin melts at about one hundred and eighty degrees. So, just being respectful of heating elements, making sure you're being smart, reading owners' manuals, and uh, kind of thinking it through before you you go to sleep. I guess at night. All right, we're talking with Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. Uh, we're doing like safety talk. The next half of the show, I want to talk about the 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 fire that started in town from an arsonist. I guess maybe you could call him, or just somebody started that house on fire, and and just what you guys do to investigate that. But yeah, um, we we did this last year. We had kind of a lot of fun with uh, the idea of flame. I saw a video the other day of somebody flame throwing their driveway instead of snow blowing it. So flame blowing it, I guess maybe their <laughs> snow covered driveway. Um, if somebody were to actually do that in lacrosse, would I mean, if you were driving by, would you be like, no, you can't do that? Or is there a rule against doing that? Yeah, I, I think um, when we got into this last year or two ago, you know, I was like calling BS that the Menards was selling flamethrowers. And I was picturing, picturing you know, the uh, the Vietnam War era flamethrowers, like, uh, you know, burning out the enemy. But uh, they were uh, more of a, uh, a very low, uh, low level of flame that people were melting ice off their driveway. So I stood corrected uh, a couple years ago with you. Um, I, I think flamethrowing where you could hit your neighbor's house across the street would be a bad thing. Um, melting ice off of your driveway for safety, if, if there's a, a safe device out there, again, read the owner's manual and uh, you know think it through. Maybe don't be using it while you're carrying the can of gasoline with you. Yeah, there is there is a case right now, too, of if, out by me anyway. I live in the woods, so it might be different, but I, probably not. There's a lot of trees in town. There's just there's all kinds of sticks and crap all over the ground. So when you start burning your, your driveway, not that we have any snow anyway, but like there's probably a lot of debris on the ground that would start on fire anyway. Yeah, just just be smart with heat. You know, we, we survive because we have heating sources. Uh, just don't be dumb about it. Would you say this year so far we're knock on wood? I, w- I guess uh, we're, we're pretty good. We haven't had a ton of a, a ton of uh, incidents with fires, houses on fire, apartments on fire. Yeah, absolutely. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx us, but uh, we've had a few. Nothing outrageous, you know, compared to previous years. Um, but we're certainly, uh, you know, our guard is up because it's that time of year when we start to see more of it. All right, that's Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. We're going to come back talk about that fire that they had to fight uh, last weekend and. Um, you know, some other stuff. I got in the top five Christmas movies, of course. I, I want to bring up rotary lights too, as well, but we'll be back. Lacrosse Fire Chief, Lacrosse Holman Fire Chief, K 
Ken Gilliam on the phone with me. We're talking. Uh, well, we did we did our carbon monoxide PSA. We got the, the safety day. stuff out of the way. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Al didn't Good. complain about that. Al earlier in the show complained that I talked about a news story with the guy that was on mushrooms that jumped out of the car and as it drove down South Avenue. I probably I probably don't have all the details, but I thought it was interesting to share anyway. Al disagreed, but he loved the carbon monoxide talk. I think, or he quit listening. That's good. And, and to Al's defense, I mean, it, it, despite all the safety messaging, people are still doing rather alarming and dumb things while on drugs. But that's not my uh, area of expertise by any means. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, mushrooms. If you're doing mushrooms, bring a friend at least. So, well, don't I mean, bring a sober friend with you to keep an eye on you. Maybe the car keys, perhaps. Yeah, I mean. Just, <laughs> But, it's kind of like I said, just think, think it all the way through. And in this guy's case, apparently put the knife away because a knife, I think, just triggered him for whatever reason. He freaked out about a knife, and uh, that sent him off. That sent him out the, out the door without shoes on. So uh, 608-785-7914. If anyone has any questions, Fire Chief Ken Gilliam, flamethrower questions, we'll take, them, we'll take those too because in the last year you've really updated your, your knowledge of flamethrowers. Uh, Absolutely. I, I wonder if we will get any snow. I'm kind of hoping that we do, but um, – Let's just do let's just do fire station update because you want to build five fire stations in the next year and a half. Uh, it's going to cost billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to. Uh, no, uh, things are going good. Uh, so the new station two uh, by UWL on La Crosse Street uh, and Oakland uh, that is out for bid. Uh, there were some delays um, on just some silly minor things that happened, um, but uh, we're uh, the bids have been adjusted. Those should be in by January sixth and into council at their January meeting for approval. Uh, God willing, and then uh, we'll be breaking ground this spring still as planned. So uh, Station 2 is moving moving ahead uh, at a good clip now, uh, and we have turned our focus back up to Station 4 uh, that kind of got off the tracks last year up on Gillette Street. Uh, we're regrouping and moving back into programming and designing that. Uh, mayor and council have uh, have a good, solid capital plan in place for the next couple of years. So uh while uh, while Station 2 is being started, we'll uh, be tightening up design and jumping through all the hoops to get on Station 4 and uh, hopefully be breaking ground by uh, by fall of 2022. So really exciting that both Northside stations are getting replaced. And then uh, the Station 1 remodel is underway right now. We've, uh, we've got a number of our people displaced, including myself, um, with, a, with about a half a million dollar remodel going on at Fifth and Market at our Station 1 there, uh, updating all the bathrooms and bunk rooms and everything. So... Uh, a, a big boost to uh, some of the issues we were seeing there. And then, uh, yeah, well, uh, down the road a few years, we're still hoping to uh, get Station 3 updated over by Central and then eventually a station out on the south end of town. Uh, so Mayor Mitch Reynolds finally get the what his campaign strategy was to get men's and women's uh, locker rooms. I can't remember if that was a fire station or the police station or both, but I feel like it both, was one of yeah. the fire stations, right? No, it's been both. Uh, the, the police department's currently under a remodel as well. Same uh, gender equity issues that we were having. It was almost the, the identical story. So uh, Mayor Reynolds uh, came out in, in very strong support, uh, moved the needle on it a bit, and um, I, I, I give him thanks for his continued support of those efforts. Uh, he's definitely expediting getting back on track up on the north side on Gillette Street. And uh, I'm, I think uh, we'll have a lot of the bathroom issues resolved within about uh, 12 to 18 months at all of our facilities, which would be fantastic. It's a huge leap forward, and uh, I, I know that all of our people uh, working inside those fire stations are very appreciative of that. Yeah, the Station 1 remodel. Is Mitch in there working? Because he said he would do it himself if it couldn't get done. I haven't, have you, you know, seen he's him got in? a lot of stuff to worry about. I told him to put his hammer down. I, I told him we got it. 
and uh, we're we got we've got some construction experts in doing the construction stuff. We're going to let him focus on being the mayor. Uh, we're speaking with Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. All right, so last weekend we had a fire. Uh, you know, at one point, I, I guess. Uh, it ends up being, a, 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 I don't know, allegedly uh, arson has started it or a, a guy started it. You call it arson, I guess. I don't know how to put it. But, um, you know, at, at what point, how long does it take for you guys to figure out, oh, you know what, this this is fishy. This was not a natural, semi-natural occurring fire. Sure. I, I, talk, I won't talk specifically about that case. Uh, it is an alleged arson, and it's certainly got to go through the court cases. Uh, but, but generally, I can talk about what happens and some of the things people maybe aren't aware of. So uh, even upon our arrival at a fire, um, our, our firefighters, our, our captains and lieutenants and, and our chief officers over the course of our career are trained to watch for clues and, you know, kind of telltales that things just aren't right. Um, so anytime we th- see things that are potentially suspicious or that don't add up, it, it could be as simple as, you know, we've got three fires in the house on different areas of the house it's like normally a fire starts in one location and spreads so it could be multiple fires it can be uh uh, barriers that are put up on doors to prohibit us or slow us down from getting in or holes cut in in the floor just inside of doors again to slow the fire department down uh, and give the fire time to build so there's a there's a tremendous amount of uh safety tips and clues that we watch for for our safety but also the trigger that maybe this is outside of a normal accidental fire from there, as soon as the fire is out, uh, our fire investigators are typically getting on scene. We've got uh, uh, nationally certified fire investigators working on La Crosse Fire, and they start a process from the outside in, you know, photographing, filming, talking to witnesses, talking to uh, the owners of the buildings, and starting to piece their investigation together. A lot of times, you know, the fire takes two or three hours by the time it's out and we're cleaned up and the crews are gone. Our, our fire investigators are often on scene for, you know, four, five, six hours after the fire uh, digging through the rubble and, and kind of piecing things together, ultimately to rule what the fire was. The insurance companies are going on to see that. Um, so if it's a if it's a faulty uh, appliance, if it's uh, you know an accidental thing where it was a food on the stove type of call, we, we want to make sure that the uh, the cause of the fire goes down uh, as as it truly was. And then every once in a while you stumble into things uh, like we said where. There's barriers or, or booby traps, uh, poor patterns where you can see that uh, accelerants like gasoline or something have been used to spread the fire. And uh, there's a lot of cool science that goes behind it. So it's a lot going on after the, after the fire to make sure we understand why it started and how to prevent it in the future. When's the last time you had, aside from this case, when's the last time you had somebody do this on purpose, start a, a place on fire on purpose? Do you remember? Um I yeah, without being ready to talk about the statistics, I think every year since I've been here, we've had a couple. Um, some are more nuisance where they're exterior fires, you know, starting where people are lighting dumpsters, doing things. Uh, but I think every year we've had at least one one structure fire that's been attributed to uh, suspicious or, or criminal activity. I want to say it was a year ago that we had the the fire at the casino bar, which started in in an alley behind the bar, right? I mean, that's that was a pretty unique situation as well, right? Yeah, correct. Certainly, uh, it started in kind of a little uh, L-shaped alley behind a couple of buildings where they meet together, and uh, a wooden stairwell above uh, the debris that was caught on fire. And, and pretty soon, you've got fire heading into a, a commercial occupancy. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty dramatic uh, example of how quickly these things can spread. Yeah, and oh, okay. So uh, along with this fire that that was allegedly started uh, on purpose by this guy, twenty-nine-year-old. Uh, the there were two dogs in the fire and one one died but one had to be resuscitated 
And I talked about, I've, I've seen, do, do you have to give the dog, do you, do you know anything about, like you must, have you ever had to do this, Ken, resuscitate a, an animal? Uh, very common. You know, I, I always joke, a, a lot of people like their, their pets more than their children. So uh, our, our dogs, our cats, these animals are parts of the family. And um, uh, very common that we'll find pets, bring them outside, and, uh, you know, get an oxygen hood or an oxygen mask over their face as best we can. There are actual uh, different oxygen uh, devices out there now that are you're able to get one actually over the top of a, an animal's head, so it, it can uh, you know you can kind of uh, positively pressure the animal with oxygen and, and get it breathing. Um, and you know it's uh, we do what we can, and it's really first aid for an animal, similar to first aid for a human being that's had smoke exposure. Um, residents are usually pretty thankful when we can find their uh, their pets, and, and ultimately, you know, it's a good save. Yeah, I've I've. Just playing with my dog, I've done the mouth to snout. If you blow through their nose, they're like snout, their their lips. It's funny, but do you do? I'm not judging that you were doing this, Rick. <laughs> I'm not going to judge. <laughs> I can cut my hand, right? <laughs> but uh, is is there even? Do you even do that? Like where there would be mouth to snout resuscitation, so to speak, or is it just simply getting oxygen? And because the dog, if it's not breathing, it's not breathing, right? Yeah, I've I've seen owners of animals doing that to their animals before when their animals have been pulled out. So I, I think it's the same principles of of uh, trying to revive uh, breathing in a in a living creature when it stops. Um, and and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it's uh, it, it, it's never any fun. Um, we certainly uh, we take a little bit less risk to save animals than we would a human being at a fire. But uh, typically, as we're going through searching for uh, making sure the the occupancy is clear of human beings. As we run into animals, we're going to grab those as best we can and try and get them out of the building and save them. Um, all right. So just to flip the script here just a little bit. When it comes to uh, becoming a firefighter, uh, you know, I, I talk about this a little bit. I was talking, now I forgot his name, Kevin. I talked to with, with Kevin one time. We play volleyball at the Y every once in a while. And uh, afterwards, we'll, we'll chill in the hot tub and I'll quiz him about becoming a fireman or what it takes, to, what, what it's like being a fireman. He's retired now, but. Um, yep. Uh, at one point, he, you know, I was I was like, "Oh, you guys, you got." I see you had a job opening. Should I apply for that? He's like, "Oh no, you can't. You got to get a two year degree. You can't be a fireman." And I'm like, "Oh, where did you get your degree?" And he's like, "No, I didn't have to get a degree because I became a fireman before that was required." And I just kind of laughed at him. I'm like, "Oh, oh, you're too you're too good to get a degree, and I have to get it one." Um, but what what does it? Is it pretty hard to become a firefighter? And and what's uh, what are you guys looking for? It's not hard, but it takes some effort these days. I think um, back when Kevin and, and I started, um, you, you kind of got on the job training and, and you went through a lot of school of hard knocks your first few years as you tried to absorb things. Uh, now there are all the way up through degree programs. And as you look at it, we, we've talked a lot about we're doing more than just responding to fires. You know, we're all of our firefighters are EMTs and paramedics going to medical. Um, in emergency medical situations, and then all of our tech rescue and hazmat and water rescue uh, activities and teams that we support. Um, with those commitments comes a tremendous amount of training. Um, and as you look at a city like La Crosse, um, the more we can get ahead of that training curve, the more economical it is for us as we hire people. So typically we're hiring people with experience from other departments and or a, an associate or a bachelor's degree uh, oftentimes in, in, in fire or emergency services type of fields. And along the way, they pick up their, you know, their firefighter one and two certification, their EMT. Uh, so there's some baseline courses. And, you know, it's, it's hundreds and thousands of hours um, to, to the community's benefit when we can get people that are pre-trained 
our turnaround time of getting them up to speed on the lacrosse way of doing things is, is just more economical to, to hire people that are trained. Now, there's there's like, well, off the top of my head, I could think of like three avenues. You're firefighter in lacrosse, and then you're also, like you said, an EMT. Or you could be on the dive unit, right? Or you could be a building inspector. Is that is is the the hardest one being on the dive team and EMT or having to deal with uh, people in, in, while you're inspecting buildings? Because there's a there's a t- there's a case there that that might be the hardest. Well, I think um, so. All of our all of our officers riding on the fire rigs, um, they're out doing fire and life safety inspections. Uh, every every commercial and multifamily occupancy in town gets inspected twice a year. So those are those are sworn firefighters out doing building inspections, um, and then um, we we support four special operations team. Uh, one is our technical rescue, our high angle USAR like rope rescue confined space. Uh, that's a group of about twenty of our members. There's a hazardous materials team. Uh, that's another group of about twenty members. Uh, we've got a team that focuses on our dive and water and boat operations, and then we've got a small team of tactical uh, EMS folks that work with our, our police emergency response team. Um, so those four teams, you kind of, um, as you come in, everybody's a firefighter, everybody's an EMT or a paramedic, and then you kind of pick specialized fields. Some members double down and they're, they're on two teams, but it's a tremendous load of training and uh, educational things they have to keep up on. Um, but, you know, but that works for different people. They, they're, you know, more uh, more action-based and uh, adrenaline junkies, and they just want to do more. Um, and, and that's great when we can get those type of folks that want to uh, make that investment in, in the city's teams. Yeah, I feel like dive team would be just because in the winter, if there's some if somebody goes under, that's that's got to be the worst job. Like the, just the hardest and the, the the conditions and you know all of it. I think diving under the ice is probably the one one of the kind of the, the least frequent, highest risk things that we do. Um, I, I used to be on a dive team prior to coming lacrosse. I don't dive much anymore, um, but um, when you start putting divers underneath the ice. Uh, you know they're working off of ropes, and there's a there's a tremendous risk level with that. Um, but as, as you look at why these teams have been formed, it's typically because cars have gone through the ice, people have fallen through the ice, and you know we we've matched our strategy to try and keep up with the, the risks that people have thrown at us. All right, we we won't do ice safety yet. We'll just wait until it gets. Nah. Uh, I'll just maybe next month. Everybody wait a little bit before you go out on the ice. It's, yeah, I know it's getting cold out there, but yeah, we can cover that next month. It was seventy just degrees a week ago, so just take a chill yeah. from. Take, let the let the ice chill for a bit for you to get out there. All right, uh, lacrosse. Similar fire. to the previous lecture, just think it through. You know, think <laughs> right. it through. All right, top five. We're we're getting to close to Christmas. A, do you have all your Christmas shopping done? I, I do not. I usually wait till about the twenty third or twenty fourth. It clears out all the crowds by then, and it's usually me and a few guys walking around town trying to find things. <laughs> walking around just aimlessly. Hell, my life. It's got to become a crisis, you know, and then, it, then it's a shopping crisis. I'll, yeah. I'll I'm get the, out tomorrow. I'll I'm, figure it out. I'm a giant procrastinator, so I know how that feels. Yeah. Um, all right. So t- let's do, do you have five? Do you have a top five Christmas movie list? I, I you know, like right away I go, I go like Elf and Christmas Vacation and, and Home Alone are probably my top three in any particular, or depending on the day. But then after that, it, it would get a little uh, tough to get four and five. But do you got a top five? Yeah, I looked at it on a commercial break, and it's probably not really exciting. But, I, you know, it'll definitely show a generation gap between you and me. But I got uh, some of the classics, like It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, and I hit Christmas Vacation, too. Uh, the Die Hard thing is a stretch for me, but as I looked, it is in the list. 
but uh, so is Trading Places. So if given the choice between Die Hard and Trading Places, I'd definitely go with Trading Places. Is Trading Places a Christmas movie? It's been so long since it's I saw top that Top 25 on one of the lists I found online. So I want to say... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a Christmas time. I can't even remember Dan Aykroyd dressed up as Santa Claus. It's a classic scene. Man. You know what I missed is a Christmas story. I didn't even mention that one. That's probably got to oh, be Christmas up there. Oh, Christmas story. Yeah, you shoot your eye out. I mean, think of the safety parallels with the fire service. <laughs> yeah, like that. that should be just... Do you, now, do the fire... <laughs> is that one just playing on repeat during Christmas season in the firehouse? Because you guys are, you know, if you're you, in some downtime, you got to watch a Christmas story? Uh, you, you know, we don't watch which TV in the firehouse, man. We're pretty busy. What do you guys do when you're just... I mean, you have a 24-hour shift. Are you just like doing push-ups and pull-ups the whole time uh you know we uh yeah there, there's workout time every everybody's expected to work out certainly a, a training heavy organization to support all we do um that being said uh, when you're working a 24-hour shift there's we we have bunk rooms it's not a shock they try to get a little bit of sleep and there's you know there's tv uh, kind of break rooms with some recliners in them and uh, occasionally you get to watch some uh, intermittent television and stuff so it's all just part of the work day at the firehouse and um yeah, there's there's a little TV watching that goes on, but it's it's pretty truncated usually by emergency calls and things. Yeah, I hear you. All right, Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. All right, we'll see you. All right, we're gonna take one more break. We'll be back. I gotta cut the beginning of this song down a little bit. Makes me smile. Christmas rap song. All right, we got a couple minutes here for a wrap up. Well, while I wrap up, run DMC tomorrow on the show. I'm having tomorrow. Oh, uh, Brad Paff, State Senator Brad Paff is going to join. I don't know if we're going to do State Senator Brad Paff talk or uh, candidate con- congressional third district candidate Brad Paff talk, or maybe we split the show into two and we do State Senator talk the first half. And congressional talk the second half. They might be intertwined a little bit too, but um, he's one of multiple Republicans running, Republicans, Democrats running uh, for Congress to replace Ron Kind and then to go up against Derek Van Orden here in the third congressional district. Uh, Rebecca Cook, Deb McGrath, Brett Knudsen, and Brad Pass. So we got four candidates so far. I don't know if we'll get any more. I think. I think we might get one more. Just say that. I'll just say that. Might get one more. And um, yeah, so that should be interesting. So tune in tomorrow. Brad Paff, you got questions for him? You can email me the questions, rick at wisdomnews.com. Then it gives me time to like, think about it, work it into a conversation as opposed to getting a text in the middle of the show, which sometimes I miss. Honestly, sometimes I miss. It's just hard to work them in. Unless you're ripping on me, then I'll definitely work them in. So feel free to just rip on me. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta go check out uh, wisdomnews.com. You gotta check out Brad's story on the guy that just jumped out of a car on South Avenue. Hope to get video of that at some point, and then um, check out the Rotary Light story as well. 